And at this time, I'd like to invite our good friend Nate Sims to come and share from God's word with us this morning. Brother Nate, please come forward. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. You might not recognize me. I am Nate, but uh, two months is Terry, and well, I just decided to grow up my majestic red beard. It's been beautiful. I love beards. You know, that's one bad thing about being in the Army is they don't let you grow it out, right? And it's been, uh, ooh, that was a little loud, sorry. Um, it's been great to, to do some training with you. I know last Wednesday we did a co-journers training, which is really training people how to share their faith in a way that's probably different than many of us have experienced, but it's a humble approach. It's about listening to other people first, and it's about connecting the gospel to people's story in a way that's meaningful. So I just want to let you know that is happening every Wednesday this month, and I will do a little bit of a recap on Wednesday. So if you haven't come out, please come join on Wednesday night, and we're going to have a good, good time. All right. So this morning, you just heard it, John chapter 10. Um, In this passage, we're going to see three pictures, okay? We're going to see a picture of what we as humans look like. We're going to see a picture of what God looks like, and then we're going to see a picture of what a beautiful mess looks like. What does a beautiful mess look like, right? But uh, first, um, what are we? What what are we like? What's the picture of us? Listen, I'm going to give you a pro tip this morning. If you want to annoy somebody, I know how to do that very well. We'll do this actually quite frequently, and I know how to do it to other people. My wife will do this actually quite frequently. Um, She will annoy me by labeling by comparison. Nobody likes to be labeled by comparison, right? Social media, nobody likes to be put in a box and things like that. But what she'll do is, She'll say, oh, you remind me of your mother. Oh, you remind me of your father, sister, whatever, right? And so for her, usually when she compares me to my mother, it's because she's a doer. She's a worker. She gets things done. She, she just she plows through it, right? And that's kind of me. I'm a, I'm a doer worker. Let's go. And what happens is I can miss some of the small details that create a little bit of a train wreck later, right? And so I can get myself into trouble. But then I dish it right back to her and I say, well, you're always late, okay? You're always late, you know? And so she, she feels like on a weekend trip, she needs to pack the whole house up and fit it in the car, you know what I mean? And so it's just like it takes her, I'm like, come on, we gotta get going, we gotta hit the road, you know? And so a lot of times when people do these labeling comparisons, a lot of times it's done in negative ways, right? And so when we look at the image of what we are in John chapter 10, he gives us a sheep. We're sheep. Listen, if if you could morph into any animal this morning, I guarantee you you're not going to be a sheep. Okay, that's not what I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose a lion, right? Because lions are powerful, they're strong, they're fast, they eat meat, you know? They're meat eaters. Um, you know, maybe I'd want to be a hawk because hawks can fly and they get different perspectives. Hawks are just great, you know? I would love to be a bird that just flies around everywhere. Maybe a honey badger. Why? Because I'm scared to death of bees, okay? If you want to know how to, like, destroy me or something, just... Just give me a bee in my area. I, I, I fall apart when there's a, just a little honeybee. I'm done. I know. It is what it is. But honey, go and they, you know, they don't care about bees getting stung. They go and do whatever they want. And so that's not what we are. So the labeling could be a little bit offensive. And there are some negative features about sheep because sheep are kind of stupid animals. They're kind of dumb a little bit, right? They, they come together. Yeah, they're cute and they're fluffy and they're wonderful in that sense. But they often get scared and they run away. They run away and when they get lost, guess what? They ain't finding their way back. They're, they're creatures that cannot find their way home. It's like New York City or something. I get lost in a city all the time. I can never find my way back without my phone, right? 
And then there's always like, you know, the old school people that are like, oh, you're lost. Well, you got to take this North Street and then go south about 500 meters and make a right to Northeast. I'm like, I, I don't know what that means. I don't, know where my, I don't know where North is, right? So like sheep, we get lost all the time. And, you know, they eat poisonous plants, they fall off cliffs, they climb up things, they do everything they're not supposed to do, they're falling all over the place. Sheep are just the crazy animals. And so when he calls you sheep, it's not exactly the greatest thing in the world. It just, it just doesn't feel that way. And so let me give you three, three reasons why we as human beings are kind of like sheep. Well, sheep frequently go astray. They go where they're not supposed to go. You know, they just do whatever they want. Uh, yesterday, I was trying to buy some pants uh, that's a whole other story, but I, I went to Macy's. I had to get to Macy's, right? I got three kids. It's obnoxious. You know why? Because they go straight constantly. I tell you what, you take kids into a store, it's the worst thing in the world. They run in different directions. They hide under the clothing racks. They climb on stuff, and it's like, I need Virginia on a radio and go, all right, listen, you have uh, child number two. Where are they at? You know, it's like we're running around trying to pull them in because the kids are constantly going astray. And in Psalm chapter 95, you're going to see a reflection on Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20 talks about the Israelites, how they're in the desert. God is living with them, right? And he's providing for them. But the Israelites didn't like how God was doing things. And so they turned their hearts completely astray from God. And in Psalm 95, they say, don't be like those sheep that stray away. You know, Jeremiah 17.9 talks about the human heart, how the human heart runs astray from God, right? And, and just in general, it says that the human heart is sick, it's evil, and probably the scariest thing about the human heart is, man, we don't know. We can't really control it. We don't know what it really wants. The human heart does whatever it wants, and it's very hard to get a sense of what you're really after. It takes a lot of self-reflection, right? And so a lot of times... It's idolatry that's the problem. Now, I'm not talking about worshiping graven images and things like that, but what do human beings naturally do? We gravitate, we stray off to really good things in life, but we make it our ultimate thing. Our great gifts, but we can make them ultimate things by just doing whatever they want. We give them whatever they need. We invest everything into them, and that's just literally the center of our world is our kids. That can absolutely be a point of idolatry. It could be emotional eating. I just want to feel good. I want to eat some ice cream tonight. Put a little peanut butter in there and just eat it and just whatever. Just, just eat to feel good. You know, it could be schoolwork. It could be your career. It could be, you know, drugs, alcohol. It could be a, a lot of different things that the heart tends to attach itself to something. And, and idolatry is attaching something away from who God is. It could even be gossip. Because gossip is all about what? It's all about protecting your reputation. You know, you, you look at somebody and say, look at all these flaws that this person has. And then the person you're talking to is like, yeah, that person really doesn't, must not be like that person he's talking about because obviously it, it bothers him, right? And so we gossip in order to protect our reputation and it's kind of cheap conversation, right? Running away from who? Kinds of ways that our heart can go Running away from who God is. The second thing that, the second reason why we're kind of like sheep, sheep are really foolish in group settings. Okay, they're, they're, they're kind of dumb, right? And so, 
you just look at social media, you can just see how groups of people just latch onto things. It doesn't take much to get sheep to go somewhere. So oftentimes in a herd, um, a sheep will go uh, and move a different direction and bring other sheep with it, and they start making bad decisions. They fall off a cliff, they, they do something ridiculous, they get lost. And humans are exactly the same way. In the 50s, they did a research. They did like kind of a little bit of a study. And they wanted to show people that a lot of people make decisions based off of peer pressure, which is never a good idea. Peer pressure, mm -mm. but that's what they wanted to figure out. How likely are people to make really bad decisions even when it's an obvious answer? And so in the 50s, they did a research. I'm just gonna just, just kind of give you a rough, rough numbers, but I think they had like 10 people on a panel. Nine of those people knew the correct answer to a very easy question, and I'll get to that in a second. But the one person who didn't know that this was a test. They just thought it was a visual test, like a, an eye test. And so that one person had no idea what's going on. These other nine people, they knew what was going on. And they had pictures of lines and lengths of lines next to each other. Some lines were this big, some were this big, some were this big, some were this big. And basically, the test was, those nine people are gonna say that the line that was this big, the similar line, was actually this big. So it's obviously different. Those lines are not the same sizes. And so those nine people said, yep, the one that was this big is exactly the same size as the line that's this big. 75% of the time, they did this multiple times, but yet they actually, the person knew that that was the wrong answer, but yet they actually said, oh yeah, they're the same size. On January 6th, we follow the herd. I'll give you another example. 2021, January 6th, right? You guys remember that date? Not too far ago. The Capitol building was stormed. Well, I'm, um, I was watching that whole thing happen on TV, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, look at this. And then like a few hours later, I get a phone call saying, hey, Chapman Sims, we need to get ready. We're gonna send you guys down, your unit down to uh, DC. And I said, okay. So that's what we, we did. We head down to DC and our mission was to protect the House of Representatives, okay? So we were one of the first units called down there. And I'm like thinking to myself, okay, I'm a chaplain. I do a lot of counseling, you know, I do a lot of religious support. So what's my role in this whole situation? I kind of bent the rules a little bit, that's okay. But I worked with a cross-governmental agency and that was the police officers because I went down there and they seem completely dejected. They're really worn out. This event is happening on an international scale and everybody's saying it's your fault. You guys screwed everything up. You guys didn't do your jobs. And so they didn't feel too good and they were being overworked. They were worn out. And as I'm building relationships with, you know, the chief of police and other people down there, I'm talking to them, I got a phone call saying, hey, we had one of our police officers commit suicide. Can you come help us? We have no mental health. Absolutely. I came in there and I did traumatic event management counseling. And I counseled a few of these police officers and you know what they told me? They told me a very consistent story. When there's a riot that happens and the crowds get all riled up and they get aggressive, Nine out of 10 times, most of the times, they have paid people that come in there into those situations. They're paid actors to get everybody riled up. So what ends up happening is these actors will absolutely get arrested. But when they get arrested, they have 200 hours cash, they have their lawyer's card, they have their identification ready to go. They comply immediately, they get put in jail, then they get released right away and they're good to go. So what ended up happening is these actors got all these people riled up because there's such a political tension in our nation that they did that herd mentality. Well, I guess we're going in. And so they rushed 
the Capitol building. Not a smart idea, right? If, if people were individually thinking about that situation, they wouldn't have done it. It was a ridiculous idea, right? And so we as people, we're like sheep and we, we just follow people's you know, peer pressure. We'll just, we'll just go do it. And I know you've experienced a little bit of that uh, this year of people making false decisions just going off, right? And, and, and doing things. Um, but that's what we do as sheep. The third, the third thing that sheep do and that we're, that we're like, you know, that, that humans are like sheep is the fact that we're community creatures, which isn't necessarily bad. Community I mean, the sheep, you're not going to find a wild sheep in the forest. You're not going to be out there and be like, oh my goodness, there's a sheep. You know, you're just, you're just not going to because they're herd animals. They have to exist together. You know what I mean? You're not going to have that rabid sheep going off and doing weird stuff. No, it, you'll find other animals, you know, you're not going to find a stray sheep, really. If you do, it's pretty interesting. Um, and so they're community creatures. They have to be together. And so the human, human beings are attracted to other groups of people, and we will do whatever it takes to find one. We're, we're obsessed with community, right? People try to find that on social media. They try to do TikTok videos and you know, get those dopamine hits in your brain when somebody likes one of your messages. That's all, it's all about trying to find some kind of connection with other people. And we're exactly the same way. So I remember when I did college campus ministry for a number of years, it was crazy. When kids get on campus and they're freshmen, every club wants them. All the advertisements, everything, they're always like, okay, we need more freshmen, we need more freshmen because freshmen represent four years. Nobody's really looking after like, you know, juniors and seniors because they're almost on their way out. Freshmen, everybody wants freshmen. But freshmen really want to be wanted. They want to find community. They'll join sororities. They'll join, um, you know, the Harry Potter club. They'll join, you know, chess, cl- chess clubs, like whatever. There's a club for almost anything on college campus ministry. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you get to the cities and you have Crips and Bloods, I was a correction officer for a few years, so I, I, know, I do a lot of weird things, I guess. But, you know, I, I, you know, all these inmates are connected to really toxic communities and they make bad decisions because they try to find a sense of meaning and purpose and they don't really ultimately care what that is. That's why people join these groups, you know, like the pagan bikers and all these things. You know, I hear all kinds of stories from police officers that I work with. There's toxic communities. So, so sheep are drawn to communities and they don't really care. They'll do whatever it takes. People will do that. Now, I've given you a lot of negative things. You're probably thinking like, oh my goodness. John chapter 10 is just telling me I'm just a big dope. Well, yes, but no. Because even though my wife says, Nate, you're just like your mom. There's good things about my mom's qualities, right? Because I'm not a procrastinator. I'm a doer. Let's get it done. Let's move. I'm not going to let it sit on my, my desk for four weeks, right? So it's, it's actually a little bit of a positive. And the fact that she takes, you know, forever to pack up means that, man, she's not going to miss anything, so I don't have to turn around and go pick something up. And if you need something really weird, she's like, oh, yeah, I got, like, an extra umbrella. I'm like, oh, wow, you got an extra, you know, whatever. She's got it, right, because she's packed it. So even though we're labeled by comparison and it can be offensive, there's also some positive features about it. So what are some positivities about being a sheep? Well, the first thing is that they're self-aware. Sheep are very socially aware about each other. They can do voice recognition very well. They understand the differences between different sheep. Like they know each other really like, like 
to a surprising degree. And so just like Genesis chapter uh, 1, what does God say? God says that we as human beings, we're like sheep, right? So we are very much self-aware of the world that we live in. We know that these trees and the amazing planet that we live on and all the intricacies of how we live and exist in life, we're able to be self-aware to know that this points to God's, God as a creator, right? So even though they're dumb, they're still very much self-aware. They understand situations. They know when a threat is coming, like a bear or wolf. They, they, they understand these things. So they are self-aware creatures. Secondly, they have value. The sheep, they're not useless creatures. They provide a lot of wool for warmth, for trade. You can also eat them, which they taste pretty good. I like eating them on Easter and stuff like that. My uncle makes great lamb, right? So they're, they're, they're food, and, you know, they reproduce, and so it's, it's considered to be, you know, it's livestock. It's, it's your wealth. Back in the ancient days, if you had a lot of sheep, that was wealth. You know, it's important to have sheep. And so they're not these useless animals, right? And if you were to equate that with humans, we are made in the image of God. Just, because, just on that basis alone, we are created by God, therefore we are valuable. And we're made in his image, so we're especially valuable because we reflect to a degree about who God is. All right? But doesn't this explain this a little bit? Like there's, being a sheep is a little bit negative, it's some positive. A lot of people run away from the church because the church has been acting up wacky. You ever hear of church hurt? It exists. People are very skeptical of communities of Christians because we're sheep. We're sheepish. Even Christians, we flee away from God's word. We do the wrong things. And so every church community is broken to an extent. We need to be humble. We need to own what we are. If somebody says, yeah, I've experienced a lot of pain in church, don't be the person that goes, well, not my church you won't. You won't find pain there. We are great Christians. No, you're all screwed up because I'm screwed up. We're all screwed up. We just happen to be loved ridiculously and have experienced the, forgive, the forgiveness of a, of a gracious God. So we just need to own that and be humble. Be like, yeah, you know what? I've experienced a lot of pain in the church too. I got some stories to talk about. And you relate to them and you talk to them. We are, a, in a sense, a very broken community, but we are also restored. And I'll get to that later. But we need to, as human beings, own what we are. We can't go around thinking we're lions when we're not. Right? That's like the worst thing. If you have like a sheep that thinks he's a lion... You know, goes out in a, you know, safari picking a fight with like, you know, hip, yeah, I don't know what they, you know, fight, you know, and a crocodile or something, they're just going to toast, right? And that breeds false pride, right? So let's not pretend to be something we're not, right? Okay, that's the first picture. John chapter 10, you're a sheep. Great. What do sheep need? A shepherd. They need oversight. They need continual oversight. They are needy little suckers. They need, they need, you know, they're just needy people like children. Children are very needy. They need everything all the time. That's what sheep need. And so John chapter 10 says Jesus is the good shepherd. Now shepherds were considered to be not the greatest people in society. They were oftentimes thieves. They were smelly. They were outcasts. People didn't really like shepherds. You know, think about King David. When he was shepherding, his brother's like, yeah, yeah, you little shepherd boy, go take care of it. We'll go do the other stuff. It wasn't like a noble position. There was responsibility associated it, like, like with it because you need somebody to protect your assets, you know, your livestock. Like it was a needed position, but it wasn't like being a political figure or a king or some kind of like ruler. Nobody was like, yes, I'm a shepherd today. It just didn't happen. 
But the fact that Jesus is referred to as the good shepherd means that there's bad shepherds. I want to read something from you. This is what Ezekiel 34 says. I don't know how much I'm going to read of this. You'll probably get the point. I might just randomly stop. But he says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? But you don't feed the sheep. And clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you don't feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled over them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and over the high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd and since my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not have fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus the Lord says, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at, the, at their hand and put a stop to their feeding of the sheep. No longer shall the sheep feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. This is a judgment because shepherds symbolizes leadership. And the nation of Israel have experienced a lot of political failures from kings and rulers, but also religious failures from priests. They've been acting like hired hands. John 10 talks about that, right? The hired hands don't really care. If you're going to hire a shepherd to go do something and it's not their flock, they're not going to care as much. That's exactly what happened in Israel. They were, they were self-interested. I want to feed myself. I want to do what I want. I don't care about the sheep. I want to use the sheep, not feed the sheep, not help the sheep. Have you experienced that? I know you have. I don't need to mention names or anything like that, but I know you've experienced some toxic shepherding, and the church in America and all around the world has experienced toxic shepherding, not shepherding at all. They've experienced a hired hand. In an ideal situation, parents love their kids to death. And to be honest with you, and I know, I know there's always exceptions to the rules and there's, there's family breakdowns and things like that, but nobody really watches their kids as well as the parents. Because the parents know them. They know their habits, their tendencies. They're going to sacrifice more for them. You know what I mean? Like if, if the house burns down, you know for a fact the parents are going to jump right in there and save their kids, right? Not to say that babysitters aren't caring or anything like that, but if you hire somebody, they're just not going to be quite as attentive because those kids aren't really theirs, right? They're getting paid to do it. Now, again, I'm not against babysitters, so please don't go home and be like, oh, Nate, Pastor, you know, Nate said don't, don't have babysitters. No, I'm just simply saying there's a distinction between if you, if you have something very precious to you, nobody's going to protect it like you will, generally speaking, okay? And so that's the problem. Israel has experienced this. The local church experiences this, uh, you know, this pain of 
Shepherds really just looking out for themselves, and church ministry really does attract people that are about themselves, and so that's why you got to be very careful when you start to look for a pastor, right? But here's, here's something really heartwarming for you. You ready for this? I just read from you um, a passage from Ezekiel 34. This is what he says right after. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search out my sheep. I will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among sheep that have been scattered. So will I seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all places that they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and by the inhabitants of the other of places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain the heights of Israel shall be grazing their land. They shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture. I myself feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. I, I'm sorry, and the fat of the strong, I will, de- um, I will destroy. I will feed them justice as you are my flock. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Anyway, I can keep going. You think Jesus is making a point in John 10? I am the good shepherd, he says. I am your leader. Your shepherds have failed you. I have to be your leader. I have to be your shepherd. The good shepherd is the shepherd of the church. He's the shepherd of this congregation right here, ultimately. Let me give you three reasons, three implications of of Jesus being our shepherd, okay? Real quickly. The first implication of Jesus being a shepherd is that he knows what you're doing. He knows everything about you. He knows every corner of your life because he is a shepherd. He, he knows his sheep. He's constantly involved. He's in there every single day. He's constantly overwatching. Number two, a second implication is that he calls to the sheep. He talks to them. He communicates to them. Do you know that shepherds sang songs to their sheep all the time? And the sheep understand what's going on. But a shepherd is constantly talking to a sheep to give them direction. Lastly, the implication of a good shepherd out there. Come on, he loves his sheep. You guys love animals? How many animal lovers are out there? Come on, come on. Who loves your dog? And Yeah, say, look at all you. I know people that love animals more than humans. Like, you know, if you, you know. Goodness gracious, you make a mistake with an animal, or you're, you're on the hit list, right? Like, you don't mess with people's animals. Shepherds love their animals. They love, they care for their, their creatures. They're cute, they're fuzzy. I would love a sheep, you know? If we, I, I, wish, I wish I could have brought one up here. You guys could pet one, it's probably therapeutic, right? The shepherd loves a sheep. So how do we as sheep respond to a loving good shepherd? That's really the key here. Well, the number one thing we have to do, we have to acknowledge that the good shepherd is present and is actively involved in all of our lives. We can't go around thinking there's no shepherd. See, that's what a lot, that's the problem that we fall into as Christians is we're like, well, God knows about 80% of my life. He doesn't know what's going on in the basement of my life, the darkness, the weird stuff that's going on down there. He only knows what's on the first and second floor. 
No, 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 no. God knows every square inch of your habits. He knows that around, you know, like, like a shepherd knows when a particular sheep decides to stray off and has patterns. Okay, this one's going to go off here around 3 o'clock. God knows every detail of your life. He knows you inside and out. What that means is we can't be like Adam and Eve and try to hide from him. You can't. We can't. I can't. I can't hide from God. He's a shepherd of my life. He is constantly over me. He sees everything. You imagine sheep going like, you yeah, watch this. I'm going to trick out the shepherd. I'm going to walk over here and that's not going to work. Sheep are obvious. Sheep can't blend in. Do you notice that? If you see a sheep in the forest, you're going to know there's a sheep in the forest. The only way a sheep can blend in is if they float to the sky and all of a sudden it looks like a cloud has legs. That's probably not going to happen though. Flying sheep. That would be cool. We can't hide from God. We just can't do it. That's the reality for all human beings. Believers are not. A lot of non-believers, you know, non-Christians, they're going to run away from God. They can't hide from him. They can pretend that God, and, and, and say, you know, I don't want to acknowledge God's existence. I want to live a way of atheism. I want to be an agnostic and just try to live with my doubts and not really acknowledge God. Go ahead, try it. He sees you anyway. But we as Christians can fall into the same trap. We can believe in God and have a relationship with him, but we shut him out because we've fallen into sin. We've done something wrong, and we live these sinful patterns. Acknowledge his presence, sheep. He's everywhere, which is a very comforting thing, which I'll get to later. All right, so second thing. Uh, here's his vo- uh, how do we hear the voice of a shepherd, right? The shepherd calls, right? This is a tricky one because the church has a tendency to be misled by voices. See, there's voices on social voices. So the shepherd's voice isn't the only one calling out to you in our culture. We have voices on social media, and probably one of the most challenging ones is the political voices, and we're getting into that season, and it's going to get violent and nasty, and that's why um, they have something called Christian nationalism, and that is where a lot of people who profess Jesus put all their eggs in the baskets on political figures. But they're calling your voice because they want power, as well. And I, listen, I'm not trying to come in here and talk about church relations with state and all that stuff, but I am telling you, we need to be very careful who we're following. Because oftentimes, if you find it really easy to talk politics and, and advocate for a political figure, but you're ashamed to talk about Jesus, then shame on us. How dare we, as a church, deny the shepherd who watches over our lives over hired hands like political figures. I'm not saying that's you. I'm just saying it's a tendency for people to profess Christ to do that. That's why I'm passionate about co-generers and talking about Jesus in ways that make sense and relevancy, but that's a whole other thing. But we need to listen to the voice of Jesus. What is that voice? How do we know what's your plan for your life? To us through the scriptures. God communicates primarily to us through the scriptures and through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? John chapters 14 through 17, read read that passage. Also John chapter eight, the Holy Spirit guides us. If you're living the wrong way, listen to the Holy Spirit that says, hey, you're a sinner. Hey, hey, you're not living in step with the gospel. In the scripture, we need to eat, live, and breathe that. We need to wake up, spend some alone time with God. We need to stay up late, spend some alone time with God. I mean, I think Tim talked about it here, or no, it was um, Pastor John, right? Referencing that as a family, yeah, we gotta talk about God through our day. That's what 
that's what Moses was talking about in Exodus. We need to keep God at the forefront of our minds. But if we know the scriptures, we're going to know God's calling in our life. If we don't read the scriptures, we're just not going to know. And so we need to pay attention to what he has done. He's given us scripture. He's given us church, church community. Sometimes you need other sheep to kind of help you in your journey and tell you, eh, something's off in your life. It doesn't really match with scripture. Oh, and by the way, if you don't know the scriptures, you're not going to know a false fired hand, uh, um, hired hand shepherd. You have to know the scriptures in order to follow. Like you have to always follow the good shepherd over a shepherd that's hired. Okay, it's very important, but you must know the scriptures for that. Okay, and lastly, you're loved. Man, God loves you so much. And I'm intentionally going to stop right here because some of you are objecting and saying, well, Nate, my problem with God, I have an objection for you. I have a problem with God. If he's such a good shepherd, why am I suffering? Why am I going through pain? Why are things really difficult in my life? You know, a few weeks ago, I talked to a woman named Kathy. Um, She's not a Christian. And I asked her why she's not a Christian. Because, you know, the conversation got there. You know, I'll, I'll talk about that another time. But she goes, well, you know what? I had a niece. She was three years old. And uh, she had a heart problem and died. How dare God exist and allow that to happen? She, like many other people in our culture, run away from God because of pain and suffering. Now, with a person that expresses such emotional pain... This is just a pro tip here. Do not talk about philosophical and theological reasons as to why that happened. Okay? To shepherd the heart, I, what I do is I, I show them the good shepherd. Okay, well, what are the implications of Jesus being a good shepherd? How do we, how, how do we rectify this problem of pain and suffering and good shepherding? A shepherd doesn't allow the sheep to get in pain, right? And that's where we get to the fact that Jesus is a beautiful... You know, the, the, the picture in John 10 is, is the beautiful mess, a picture of a beautiful mess. And what is that picture? In the Old Testament, in order for somebody to have a good relationship with God and maintain a good relationship with God, you had to, be, you had to sacrifice a sheep. Sheep represented uh, clean animals, white purity. Um, it, it's just white, pure, uh, fluffy, you know, whatever. They were clean animals, and there had to be a sacrifice just just like any day you have a problem with somebody and you are forgiven or you ask for forgiveness, forgiveness always requires sacrifice. I'm not going to treat this person differently anymore because I've forgiven you. I'm not going to gossip about you because I've forgiven you. I'm going to lean in the best intentions because I've forgiven you. And so for the people of Israel, they had to sacrifice a lamb to be forgiven. In this passage, we see in John 10, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. The roles are reversed. The shepherd dies for the sheep. Oh, what's really interesting too, why is, why is, this a, why is it a beautiful mess? Because what, what does John say? Behold the Lamb of God, referring to Jesus Christ. Wait a minute, so Jesus is both the Lamb and the shepherd. So the lamb has to get sacrificed. Hmm. So Jesus embodies the shepherd, right? Because he's God. But he also has to embody human beings like a sheep. Jesus is fully God, fully man. 
And so why is it so messy? Because you have the God of the universe becoming us as a sheep, associating with us in all of our darkness, pain, and garbage. And he lives that perfect life as a perfect sacrifice for us. That is the most beautiful thing. And so you know what? I'm not going to give you an answer philosophical or theological this morning of, of pain and suffering and the problems associated with that. We can talk about that after the service if you really have questions about that. But what I, I do want to tell you is God understands your suffering. Jesus understands the pain. He's not up here looking at his sheep going, well, they're getting eaten by a wolf, and well, that stinks. He's been there. He's been eaten on the cross. He was bleeding on the cross. He was gushed out. He knows your pain. Other religions, those gods don't know you. They don't, sympathize, they, don't, they don't empathize with you. They don't know what it's like. Jesus, as the good shepherd, knows and he's lived it. Next chapter is about Lazarus. Lazarus dies, right? And there's tears streaming down Jesus' face because he's the good shepherd. He empathizes with your pain. He knows pain. Even though he was going to resurrect him, a few, he knew he was going to resurrect him. Why bother crying? Because he hates death and he hates suffering. But he had to become that for you. Does that captivate you? I hope so. And I hope, man, when you look for a pastor, you, you need to have a shepherd who loves Jesus more than anything else. You need a pastor who's gonna guide you, who's gonna lead you, because of Jesus and the way that he did it. Jesus as a good shepherd, he reached people supposed to be looking, that were outside the community. And you even see it in the passage, right? The shepherd's supposed to be looking for people. Seek the lost. We should have a shepherd. I say we, but you need a shepherd that's gonna go out into that pastor and beyond the pastor and seek those who are not in this community. We need to reach Soderton. Pulling people in. A missional shepherd should have that. A missional shepherd should be loving on you, sacrificing like the good shepherd. Everything's about Jesus. Do you love him? Because he loves you so much. And he brings so much comfort to our souls. And I just want to let you know that I'm praying for you and I hope you guys are praying for the right leader to come in here and shepherd this body and shepherd this community. Because it's very important. Very, very important. I'm going to end with this. God is the shepherd of your soul. At the end of your life, he's going to be there in your pain and suffering. If you're in that hospital bed, he's going to be with you. And he's going to whisper into your ear, I love you, my child. I sacrifice for you. Welcome home. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today. We ask you that you... um, Give us the strength and, and the ability to remember that you are the one who shepherds our lives and that we have a responsibility as sheep to connect with your message, with your voice, and to remember that even if we have gone astray, you will always take us back. You left the 99 for the one. Jesus, you will always come after us. You're going to seek us every moment. We, we recognize your presence here today and of every moment of our day, and we love you. And thank you for your sacrifice as the good shepherd. Amen.